Take two. Hey, pals. Afternoon, all. What do you mean? Oh, well, we tried doing this already. <laughs> Frank said it was bad, so we're this starting again. This is a re-record. Again. This is the second one. There was nothing wrong with the record, like like production-wise. It was just bad. I really wish that you had not brought that up. But now here we now are. everyone here wants to know. Well done. Look, we Bonus might, features. We might put it at the end, but that's not important. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Throw in the Power, the podcast where my name is Frank. Mine's Tom. Mine's Chris. And I'm Marcus. And then we are the people who talk about movies. The pals. The pals. Sometimes. And I love it. Do I? Sometimes. And then you have it, hate it. Oh. <laughs> you have it. There is a, you have it. You have it. There are different opinions in the room and we try to sway each other's opinions. We Gently? As, often gently. As often as not, we find that we don't agree or we do agree. That that's, makes for good TV. Pretty black yeah, or white. Really. Good. It's nice when everyone's just on the <laughs> same score. Marcus, thank you for saying black or white. That's going to be a big theme in this podcast. We'll return oh, to it. Recurring theme. Ooh, is this a yeah, black and nice. white film? That's no. I didn't watch <laughs> it. Not, just, not photographically. Just to clarify, I did not watch it. Thematically? I didn't watch it at all. You didn't watch this movie? No. What movie are we talking about? In Bruges is there. In Bruges. Where is In Bruges? Where is Bruges? Guys? Bruges is it's in Belgium. Yeah, good. Nice, good line. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. In Bruges, 2000. And- that was on the poster for some of the... It was just like <laughs> Colin Farrell with a gun and a pink ice cream, like shr- like crossing his arms, and then it was just like, it's in Belgium. Just as Actually? Part. That was actually one of the posters. That's yeah, I remember seeing that. actually pretty great. Some of, the, some of the posters for this aren't great, but anyway. In Bruges is a... Uh, very- 2000, 2008 <laughs> film, Martin we, McDonough. We do, yes, that we're going to talk about. We rate movies out of 11 here. Why? Uh, why do we do that? <laughs> why, Tom? Because 11 is the <laughs> amount of times in my life that with no context I've called someone an inanimate fucking object and I will Great. continue to do it. Right. Can so, I say something? Yeah. I had not seen this film until yesterday. Yeah. 2023. And <laughs> you looked at his watch for that, guys. <laughs> you looked at your watch for <laughs> the year yesterday. <laughs> I have a bad memory. My old housemate Bo loves this film mm. and he used to wake me up. He used to run into my room at, you know, 7 a.m., jump on my bed and, like, shake me and go, you're an inanimate fucking object. Clever man. And I was like, <laughs> Intelligent. what's happening? Oh, God. That's our next MacArthur Grant winner right there. That's a smart man. <laughs> He's a very smart man. I would be in, like, I would be playing, like, we just talked about Super Smash before recording. I'd be playing a game of Super Smash with someone and they'd beat me. I'd be like, fuck. And Is that like, like Soggy Biscuit? It's like Soggy Biscuit. And they'd beat me somehow. And Dude. they'd. Don't you have to beat yourself? No, that's it. I was bad at it. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. This might not be it. <laughs> I would be playing a game of something and I would lose against someone and they would go, it's just a game. And I'd go, you're an inanimate fucking object. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> or like even like trying to get my seatbelt or something if I'm trying to, and it's not, it's clicking. <laughs> you're an inanimate, which it is. And I'm not moving it. So I've, I've called many people and things in my life inanimate fucking objects. Well, it sounds me. like to me you have anger problems and you should work it out. I think but that's why I come here. Moving forward. Help. So you like this film, Tom? This is an 11 out of 11. (laughs) (laughs) All the sound effects. The first one. First 11. Yes. God damn. I, don't, I didn't even rate my favourite film out of 11. I gave it a 10. And uh, we did was, give you shit for that. That was very strange. We were all con- <laughs> we didn't know if you understood the scale <laughs> at no, that no, point. No. It's fine. Well, it means that no film's an 11 to me. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Actually 11? Actually. This, 100%. This it's perfect to you. There's nothing That's you would it. Change. I'm leaving room for the film to come along and blow it, everything out of the water. To so me, the game today is for us to fuck Tom up. That would be is very that, fun. Yeah, That's yeah. the game. To me, 11 yeah. isn't perfection. 11 is a movie that you love so much that you love its flaws. And I'm not saying this is a movie without flaws. There are even... Spe- Tom's busy writing his wedding vows over here. That's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you are not someone who is perfect, but I love you even though you have flaws. Let's- Flaw number one. <laughs> Just itemise. <laughs> this movie has flaws that like I know as they're coming. I'm like, yeah, that line, all right. Or like or even shots and certain things. But like I love it. If they, if someone was like, well, we'll take that out. I was like, don't you fucking touch it. Like this is, no, you leave this thing alone. This is exactly what it needs Well, I think to. if you're at the point where you're criticising specific lines or shots, it's obviously quite well crafted. Pretty much. But I'm going to have even more than I'm inordinately a lot to say about this. So please, what, what does everyone else think? Does anyone have score? Oh, get a bucket. He's salivating. <laughs> All right, Marcus, what's your score then? Uh, well, okay. 11. <laughs> no, no, no. I love this film. So I'm going to give it a nine. Very good. That's very high. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take There's your like hand off <laughs> the soundboard. I didn't do that. It's broken. 
there's a ghost in the system. Uh, it's doing mm. its own thing. I didn't love it that much. That's great. This, this was your first this time watching good. it today, My right? First time watching it. Good. What good. would you good. give it? I keep doing this, but like six point. Come on, be a man. Six. On the dots. Peer pressure you works really on Frank, we just realised. That was good. I, I'm feeling real messy. I don't know if I've ever respected so you until that moment. 6.6. 6. Like, 6. So I still oh, I okay. still thought it was a good film. No, I'm going to go 6. Flat. Didn't you six hear the, flat? Gu- the, the yeah, guitar? Yeah, he definitely said 6 flat. Yeah, the six. Oh. I went 6 point and then I went, nah, he 6. Went, well, six. you can see how that's confused. <laughs> okay, let's just clarify that. You went 6 point. Mm, six. Well, that sounds like a six point six to me, Frank. You miss him. I mean, six point nah. Six beats. Open your fucking ears. Uh, um, no, I, I look. Demand that all accents are Irish today. If we're going to do accents, you know I can't do Irish. We'll have you doing it by the end of today, don't you? I'll don't try you? a little bit of the Irish accent fucking. for you. To be, be sure, to be sure. Fucking, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, should it, should it be fucking or is it fucking? So like- the weird thing in Banshees, the new Martin McDonough movie, is they say fucking because it's back in the like 1903 and it's like they didn't want to swear. So they'd say fucking and then every now and then when they get really angry, they'll say fucking. But in this, it's just fucking, 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 fucking. Father Ted vibes. Should we do a quick, a quick little uh, synopsis? And Tom, I'm sure you want to elaborate on this, but... Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what Chris is. Well, no, no. Let's let's see Chris and then we'll jump in. Sorry, sorry. Um, I think I'm in a similar camp to Frank. I'd only seen this for the first time in the last couple of weeks. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I'm not in love with it um, as others are, but I can see why people would love it. Um, So it'd be a a seven. It's pretty good for Chris. A seven. That's the highest rated film he's ever done. I think. That can't be true. No, We've got to no. fact check I, that. I kept like, giving myself shit for giving low ratings. What did, is that the highest rating you've given? I don't know. Could be. We'll go back and check. That's Sounds impressive. Like, right. We haven't done Star Trek. <laughs> we haven't done Star Trek yet. You selected. <laughs> we almost need to. Maybe we I mean, will. Maybe. Maybe we will. Never watched any Star Trek in my life. Um, so quickly, direct, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Donagh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously... A lot of other featured players, but they're obviously the well, main you've got two. Ray Fiennes as well, I would say, is kind of like if you're going to go... You've got Ralph. which You've is got Ralph. So Ralph. great for me because I've watched three Ray Fiennes films in a row. You just watched... Succession. We did Menu recently and you just watched Grand Budapest recently and you yeah. really enjoyed it. Yep. That's great. He's great. And it's a very different... Uh, and I just watched Harry Potter. Interesting. Yeah. Who is he in that? Harry Potter, isn't he? Okay. Hmm. Is that... That's, that was Ray That was Fiennes. his early stuff. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to do a... He's the boy who lived. He's the boy who lived. He's Come to die. My dad's a muggle. Mam's a witch. Bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out. <laughs> Very good. Seamus Finnegan. Whoever nice. that guy is. Seamus yeah. Finnegan. Yeah. Member of don't the be ashamed. I don't know if you, don't be ashamed. I don't know if you could tell he was Irish in the movie, but they named him Seamus Finnegan just in case anyone was wondering. J.K. Rowling is not good at naming people. Member of the things. IRA. Yes. What? This, the Harry Potter series is set in the... Early nineties, sure. So the troubles are still ongoing. And oh, what, do, what is Seamus Finnegan famous for? Blowing stuff up. No, Chris, you just blew my mind. Yeah, That's yeah, fucking crazy. Well, I'd love some more context. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get my butler's pantry. Open. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait no, a minute. No. There's nothing in, in here. <laughs> in Bruges. In Bruges. In Bruges. What's Bruges? Bruges. Bruges is a perfectly preserved medieval city in Belgium. Oh, it looks beautiful. It is. Oh, my God. It looks beautiful. We've got 11 hundreds. We've got an 11. We've got a 9. We've got a a 6.0. (laughs) 6.9. And uh, (laughs) a high one from Chris at a 7. So I'm the lowest at this point. Yeah, right. Let's do a quick little synopsis. Guilt-stricken after a job gone wrong, Hitman Ray played by Colin Farrell, and his partner await orders from their ruthless boss in Bruges, Belgium, the last place in the world Ray wants to be, which is pretty standard. In Wait, standard? It, the, that a, plot is pretty standard? No. Oh, dime a dozen. <laughs> oh, shit, man in Belgium. I didn't mean to say standard. Okay. I wasn't thinking. I was trying to think of another word. <laughs> okay. And as you know, my brain is really slow. That's okay. I loved how much Ray hated Bruges as I a city. I liked that too. I think it's very... I what did, you gave it 11. I love what didn't you like? Movie. Okay, well, opening shots of uh, Bruges, like, you okay, know, the medieval city, very, very dark, sort of ominous, but also weirdly beautiful, fantastical city. We get a voiceover after I killed him, dropped the gun in the Thames. 
washed my hands in the Burger King to get the residue off and went home to await <laughs> further instructions. Shortly after their instructions came, get the fuck out of London, you dumb fucks. Get to Bruges. I don't even know where Bruges fucking was. Beat. beat. <laughs> Beautiful beat. It's in Belgium. It's in Belgium. Don't do it. And then the, the opening sequence of the film is just reiterating how shit Belgium And actually, is. yes, I've jumped the gun there because it doesn't go to the music. <laughs> it goes to Bruges is a shithole. Bruges is not a shithole. I know it's a shithole. Ray, can we reserve judgment on the fucking place till we've seen the fucking place? <laughs> it's, w- it's worth noting that Tom has the screenplay sitting next to him Haven't right now. Touched but it. he's not touched it. But he's not reading it. He's not reading it. For the listeners at home, like this is the sound. That's paper gold, baby. That is the screenplay to Imbruge, which, uh, which Pasco, you... if you're listening, printed out for me for my birthday one year. Thank you very much. Very, very friendly. Very nice of you. And uh, Yeah, on really nice A4 paper. Yeah, like, okay. It was very... So, okay. <laughs> Your friend sucks. What a fucking gesture. No, it was very nice of him. Which you established all the pages are very sticky, right? <laughs> okay. But that's from the KFC. That's You've from the KFC. while reading the script. Yes. And for those reading along at home, we're up to page three. We are. Um, <laughs> And let's continue. <laughs> uh, this this movie meant a lot to me when I was younger, and oh, we're about to have a. I don't want to get too into now how much that meant to me, but I will say very briefly that in two thousand and eight, when I watched it, I was maybe fifteen. I might have watched it near the end of two thousand and eight. I'd kind of had my awakening with movies, maybe a year or two earlier with The Departed. And a lot of movies throughout 2007, which was one of the best years for movies with like No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, uh, Juno, a lot of these ones that I really loved. And I think Pants Labyrinth might have been 2006, 2007. And In Bruges really stuck with me as the perfect marriage between dark comedy, uh, really exciting filmmaking in moments that you're not expecting it and a sort of, deeply embedded moral framework that I was I thought I understood a lot better as a teenager a very arrogant teenager who thought I I was intellectual and I got things and I watched it today for the first time in many years I've probably seen it like fucking 20 times and people say this all the time and it's very trite but you change and the movie stays the same and you go oh this movie is so much smarter than me and it's there's so much in it that I really really absorbed this time that I'd never thought about and I was really grateful to get to watch it again so thank you it was, I really I appreciate this opportunity I was really really happy watching this movie today it's a strangely touching moment yeah literally a minute ago I was leaning back in my chair rolling my eyes because I was like Tom's on a monologue rant here oh. but that was really nice thank you um, I want to quickly touch on Martin McDonough thank you Tom for that special no it's okay Surprise. <laughs> We're moving forward. Uh, Martin McDonough, who I was first introduced to, uh, he's a theatre playwright, traditionally speaking. I saw a show of his in Tasmania called The Pillow Man. I saw that same show. Incredible show. And the writing was ridiculous in terms of how good it was and interesting and the dialogue. Um, like he's a <laughs> – I know what your Marcus is. Who was, the, who was the lead actor in The Pillow Man? Uh, a friend of ours called Travis. Travis. Travis Hennessy. Shout out Travis. was wonderful in that. Who really, was, really fantastic. Car. Car. Cartusian, Cartusian, or whatever his name is in The Pillow Man, it's the same name twice. It's like something like Cartusian, Cartusian, you know. he's It's a very weird play. It is, I think, like something like yeah. that. But Marcus is shaking his head because there were other cast members who were less, <laughs> less no, strong. Yes. Less no, strong. I, I, know ex- something I know exactly and I who you're talking about. But, but okay. the show itself is very, very good and very well written. Then obviously Martin has moved into film. Uh, in Bruges is one of his first, but not his. It is. It's his first movie. He made a, a short, short film called Six Shooter, which won the Academy Award for best best short uh, film. Short. And it had Brendan Gleeson in it. Yeah, and it's very good, and it's it's very good at sort of representing his style in, in microcosm. It's funny. It's disturbing. Yeah. Uh, it's very gallows humor. Um, and then yeah, so that's two thousand and four, and then four years later, he does it in Bruges. Two thousand four. Wow, a big gap. Yeah, okay. and then um, there's a small. Adaptions of the Pillar Man, but Seven Psychopaths comes out in 2012. Yes. And then Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, 2017. That's the first I'd seen Seven Psychopaths. I hadn't seen In Bruges. Three Billboards is the first film I saw and I was like, oh, who's this? Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the guy who wrote Pillar Man. Like that film to me is his best. That's interesting. In many ways it's late, like not the less. it's less of his style. It's incredibly outside the oeuvre of what he does, you know, putting something in. Well, and he hasn't done that much. But like as a, scree- as a um, playwright, playwright, 
yeah. as so concerned with Ireland and what it means to be Irish. We did that trilogy, right? Yes. Yeah. In Bruges to be what it is, Seven Psychopaths, which takes place in America with a largely American cast, but it's got Colin Farrell, who's his muse basically in movies. Mm. You know, he's in everything except Three Billboards. And then Banshees of Nishiran came out last year and that's the most Irish fucking Very movie ever Irish. made. It's like, <laughs> Banshees of what's the most Irish fucking island we can find? And it's just, yeah, it's very, he's very concerned with that stuff. And and Three Billboards is really interesting in that it regards similar topics and themes, but culturally and aesthetically is very different. Oh, entirely different. Us. But it's interesting that he came out of Seven Psychopaths with Sam Rockwell. Yes. And then Sam Rockwell's then in Three Billboards. Obviously he has... People he likes to work with. You, he does. you see that sort of movement. He loves movie. Brendan. He loves Colin. And they love each other. Have you heard them talk about each other? Yeah, it's a, a oh, remarkable. They must have a very nice time. Um, so I will just say, like, I didn't love the film in Bruges, but the dialogue and the writing, I sort of had, a, I think, a, a lens on thinking he's a playwright and I know his work and I already like it. The dialogue is outstanding in In Bruges. Just the way it flows naturally, there's so many lines that come out of nowhere and you go, <laughs> that's, a, Absolutely. that's an interesting line. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just moved an ice bucket that's in the room. <laughs> Tom's bored of his own film already. Oh, I'm sorry. Honestly. God. Um, the film I just, slowly won me over as it, as it kept going. Wonderful. Um, I, I, I don't think I like Colin Farrell. I, he, I, I don't he's think a 50-50 like sort of actor. Because when he first showed up, he's doing his oh his fucking Irish accent, and he's pulling his faces, and he's doing all this, and I went ah. Oh, special mention to his faces. Special oh, mention oh, to oh, his oh. eyebrows as well. Yeah, the monobrow. He's got a monobrow in this film. Very good eyebrows. So, what work. started to get you as you were watching it? It's yeah, the dialogue. It's just yeah, you you get it. They're they're not talking. You know, I can't even describe it correctly. But there's a there's a charisma to it. There's like an in it like a the way it sort of bounces around, yeah. So like it's it's lively, yeah. even though it's such a sort of still quiet kind of film. There's a lot of life and a lot of energy in whatever they're saying. Yeah, you know, let's go up this tower. No, fuck off. The chemistry is insane. Pub, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, that is the conversation that would be happening. Yeah, it's not you know we got to keep a low profile. It's like no, that's too obvious. Hmm. It's just like I'm gonna go up this tower. No, I'm gonna fucking pub. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, I mean, it's a real fairy tale place, right? Bruges. Ah, reference. It's a fairy tale place. Do you think, because this is, I was watching it and like this is early Colin Farrell. He would have done like a lot of big films I would, already. I would say it's probably more coming off of, this is almost right as he's no longer Hollywood's boyfriend, which he was for about five years there. It was a very similar time with Jude Law where America decided Ugh. Colin Farrell. Now, see, I like them Whoa. both in very similar ways, which is, and we actually talked about this with Brad. Use them the right way. Yes. We talked about this with Brad Pitt recently. Mm -hmm. Incredibly attractive men, but Hollywood went, you're a leading man. And they went, I don't know about that. And it's like, no, 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 trust us. And the more it tried to make us see them as leading men, the more we grew fatigued with it. And the yeah. more Jude Law goes... I don't know, I'm going to do this HBO show directed by an Italian called The Young Pope. And it's like, fucking go off, that's great, you know. More Brad Pitt does sort of weird character actor stuff or when he does do stuff with like David Fincher and does Curious Case of Benjamin Button, it's interesting. Colin Farrell was like SWAT, he was... What, you know, Alexander is in Daredevil's the yeah, phone, Dare, booth, Dare, phone, Dare, booth, phone booth. Phone booth, which travesty. I, okay, I re-watched that movie over the summer yep. and it's not a good movie. It's horrible. I enjoyed I've it. never seen it. I so enjoyed some it. Of the, there's one of the scenes in it. It's one of the worst scenes I've ever seen an actor do. Mm. Literally phones it in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, so Colin Farrell, <laughs> almost famously, like in the in the weird, in the press now for Banshees of Inisherin. Inisherin? Yeah, Inisherin, I believe. Ed Sheeran. Whatever he's doing. <laughs> He's talking a lot about his past and his life and the sh all the shitty movies he's done basically and a lot of the time the sex tape comes up, which he did in 2005. Yes. Which is – that would have been the height of his early success. He got all this money. Right you know, as he's going to rehab as well around yeah, that same yeah, time. Yeah, heaps of drugs. And then, I think I missed the sex tape. Yeah, Genuinely. I haven't it's seen it. It's a bonus it, feature on the Embrew DVD. <laughs> so. It's him and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, was that a thing? That's Tom would watch it. There's a and give it a ten. <laughs> Jesus. Um, anyway, so then he you assume comes out of rehab maybe and then goes into In Bruges. I know a couple of other films, but like 2005 is a sex tape. You probably and then 
in he's, Bruges off the back of rehab. Sort of. I haven't well, checked. Well, if, they, haven't film, the if they film it in 2007, it's coming off of he, – he was experiencing what it was to be the most famous man in the world or one of the most famous men in the world for a few years there. Yeah. Like everyone knew who Colin Farrell was. And, no and, he was, what, and he was the butt of jokes as he well? He was because he was very attractive and in movies that were not using him well. I mean, Alexander, mm, there's something about the grandeur of that film oh, that's I kind of also had that like fun, but it's too much and it's not his. It, he shouldn't be doing that movie, you know? And even when he was trying to do something kind of weird, like play Bullseye in Daredevil, Daredevil. it was still <laughs> it was still kind of like. But again, eh, this is a bit. Like it's like it's like gross, bad, unlucky like choices it. in the films he's doing because yeah. like Daredevil's a good, you know, comic. You know, there's heaps of heritage there. Yeah. Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner, you know, pretty good cast at that time. Yeah. And the film just turns out to be ratchet. Yeah. Have you, you seen him in Tigerland? No. So it's like it's a like it's the, a war film, like a boot yeah, camp. Yeah, I'm aware of this movie. Um, he's one of those like cocky soldiers gets drilled into the ground. The drill sergeants obviously hate him because he's, you know, Mm. um, a rogue, doesn't do as he's told. He's a maverick. He's a maverick. (laughs) God damn it, give me your gun and It's like having a tiger by the tail. (laughs) He, the first thing I remember seeing him in where someone said to me when I was a child, who's that actor? And they said that's Colin Farrell was Minority Report. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. the cop in Minority Report and mm. he's like, he's pretty good in that, what he's doing. But SWAT, I think, was a bit of a saturation point, which is actually not a bad movie. Like, oh, see, I quite like SWAT. SWAT's, SWAT's quite a bit of fun. It, it's good, but that's him being American every boy, sort of just kind of like, yeah, you know, his name in the movie is like John Carter or something. Yeah. You know? Jim Street. Is it really? No. Jim Street. <laughs> my <laughs> life. I can't <laughs> believe that. But like, Bradley like you, Bradshaw. Bradley Bradshaw. <laughs> but like you, Oscar. <laughs> like you say, like yeah. his credits from 1999 to 2003 are – like five films a year sort of thing. Yes. Like he's just churning them out. And so was, much money, so much he, exposure. Years ago, just as a little aside, I went to Thailand when I was too young to go to Thailand and I met an Irish guy there. Tigerland? Tigerland, sorry. And I met an Irish guy there and he and I had some drinks and I was like, so Colin Farrell, right? And he's like, hold on a second. And he pulls out his phone and shows me all these photos of him with Colin Farrell. And I was like, oh, so you're his friend. And he's like, no, he just comes back to Dublin and hangs out with people. Like, he doesn't fucking like being a big movie star. He just likes coming back and seeing people. And he just would do that because he'd just be like, I don't want to do, I don't want to be this guy. This kind of happened. And that's know? what that's my point now. Like, you see him in the press now as yeah. a mature man, the way he speaks about Hollywood and his craft, it's quite beautiful the way he speaks about film and the way he speaks about acting and He's just whole worldview. It's very interesting because I didn't know much about him and then you sort of see this stuff now come out and you go, oh, maybe he's like a decent person. Because yes. obviously the media, as we were growing up becoming men, whatever, um, just shitting on him. Like Colin Farrell was no one liked him, no one cared for him, but he's- He was a punchline. In Bruges and then he sort of moves into like, you know, The Imaginary and Dr. Parnassus, all these incredible interesting films that like he's not really played the lead- since never a leading man in the way that I think he was for those four or five years you're talking about, and yeah. I think he's like True Detective, The Lobster, all these interesting. The films. Lobster and Saving the Mr. Killing, Banks? the killing of it, I didn't know he was in that, but The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer are two great examples of like him working with Yorgos Lanthimos, like a Greek yeah. filmmaker, to, and he's like, I want you to make the weirdest fucking movie ever, and he's like, Absolutely, please, give happy me something to do like that, yeah. and he's sneakily. One of my favorite actors, and even a couple of years ago, having loved this movie for years, if you'd asked me, I'd have said, "No, I love him in that, but not really." And now I'm like, "No, Colin Farrell's actually fucking incredible." I love because him. he's sort of been given the chance. Yes, like because yeah. I was watching this and I was like, "Well, the dialogue's amazing," and then I was like, "Colin Farrell is putting on a show." He is locked like, into this. He would have won the Oscar for me. I would have given it to him. I would have given it to Brendan. who won it. Who won it that year? In 2008, that's a really oh no I know um Sean <laughs> Sean, Sean Penn for Milk have Milk yes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay because Colin Farrell wasn't nominated she sure. won, the Golden, no, he won Globe, the Golden Globe and this movie was nominated I always forget this was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars which is oh, a cool. fucking cool nomination I yeah, always great. forget that actually happened yeah. and uh, yeah well, we've talked a lot about Colin we have talked a lot about should Colin Farrell we, should we talk about the, the movie? film that's yeah. a great oh, the film's a good idea yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so what happens he's just like is a hitman or something oh yeah you know. Kid killer. Yes. Oh, it turns my one, out, that's my one. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> yeah. It turns out Colin Farrell, who plays Ray and Ken, have been sent to Bruges to hide out because during a job, Ray shot a priest played by Kieran Hines. Uh, cameo. Cameo by Kieran Hines. 
uh, uh, Mance Raider from Game of Thrones and also from Belfast. Um, and he killed a kid in the process. And now he's racked with guilt. They've been sent by their boss to go hide out till the heat dies down. Turns out secretly that their boss, Harry, played by Ray Fiennes, actually wants uh, Brendan Gleeson, Ken, to kill uh, Ray. And so when, to when that him. call came in, I was like, oh, shit. The call. The call, the call from Harry. The, the call from call Harry is to Ken to yes. say you've There's got a couple to kill of good Ray. calls. There are about <laughs> a lot of phone calls. <laughs> that phone booth. Film. Some of the phone, the phone calls in this film are some of the best moments in my opinion. They're very fun, and the dialogue is yep. when at its best. When Harry's like, "Is Ray out of the room?" Yep, and, and you're like, "Telling a lie <laughs> that cascades into having to keep the lie up <laughs> is one of my favorite bits in a movie." When it's like, "Yeah, he's just here with me. We'll tell him to leave." Ray, you know you can go. Well, make sure he's gone. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, has to go and check. And it's like, why didn't I just say he wasn't it's here? Pretty, yeah, like, it's, it's very funny. It's fucking great that it stretches that out. It immediately shows you, without having to have any exposition, what kind of person Harry is, the relationship him and Ken have. Mm. That is a one that entire shot. There's no cuts in that room with mm. Brendan Gleeson. Impressive. Uh, and it it is shot... I think people, you guys are talking about the dialogue as you should because it's Martin McDonough. He's an incredible writer and it's all I ever thought about when I watched this movie when I was younger. And this is one of my first opportunities to watch it as a, a directorial film. And he directs that scene incredibly. The way he blocks uh, Brendan Gleeson to get up, move around the room, the way he has the camera always shifting mm. around him like mm. he's evading it. And right at the end when he knows what Harry's telling him, he can't get away from the camera. Mm. It's right in his face and there's no getting away from it. It's, it's really Again, you beautiful. can you can tell it's written by a, a stage writer. I think weirdly you can because of the dialogue, but not because of the shooting. Because a lot of the sure. time when you get uh, playwrights directing films, they become incredibly claustrophobic and sort of schematic. They'll like either they they'll either go super tight yes. or they'll just do open, yes, like wide shots. We, we will maybe talk like about it. this film later when we do our Oscars bit or whatever. But as an example, The Whale. Just the one thing I will say about that: that is so obviously a film that was a play. Yes. And the way it is filmed is yes. like it can't get away from that, you know, whereas I, I just think In Bruges is a playwright going, I'm making a movie. Why would I write it and direct it like a play? It needs to be a movie, you know. Yeah, so, he's obviously a very, very smart man. He's a very talented director. There's quite a few um, religious um, tones in this as well, like uh -huh. symbolically. Um, yes, does, Frank, does, you would have felt left out if they didn't have that stuff in there. Yeah, that really pulled me in. Is this, yeah, our correspondents uh, in the room, uh, <laughs> is... Is Bruges meant to be symbolic to Ray of purgatory? Because they do talk about purgatory at one point. Mm -hmm. So is this his or is it hell? Fuck, man. That's what I, I mean, wouldn't, hell was. The yeah. way I saw it was that he's in sort of his limbo almost. Waiting and, to, and waiting for judgment. Yeah. Right? And Ray, uh, Ray Fiennes would be, uh, I guess, symbolic of the devil in this instance. So everything you're saying. And or I, God who's laying down the judgment. Marcus, you mentioned like heaven and hell and I only bring this up as an example of the fact that I've seen this movie a thousand times now and getting to watch it now from the distance. But that is always how I read it as well and I do think there's another layer. I think, yes, absolutely, Ray Fiennes is the devil and Brendan Gleeson's sort of like a beneficent That's god. That's an easy way to... I don't think it's an easy it. way. I think it's a, a very good and, and like the purgatory and stuff. The only reason I'm like coming at it today with a like <gasps> sort of thing is I was watching it today like, well, what can I do with this movie or what can I think about that I've never thought about before? Sure. And there's something that's probably obvious. And I might say this and you guys will be like, yes, obviously. And I'll be like, I never, I never thought about this. But this is a movie about fathers and this is a movie about what it means to be a father to someone and, and to care for children. And Ray Fiennes and Brendan Gleeson are both these fathers to Colin Farrell, to Ray. And he's already had this experience where his entire, the, the defining moment of him and experience with a child is killing one, right? It's the worst thing you can do as a parent. The worst thing you can do as a person in these people's lives. Mm. Brendan Gleeson's never had the opportunity to be a father. His wife was killed in 1976 by a racist cop. And so he's had that deprived of him. Colin Farrell becomes his surrogate. In some ways, he's the surrogate of Ray Fiennes as well. But they have these opposing worldviews, which is that for a Brendan Gleeson, Ken, if you make a mistake, you can atone for it. He has to believe that. He's a hitman. He's killed people, not many people, not very many nice people, but he's killed people and he wants to think there's redemption there. And Ray Fiennes believes, no, it's black or white or black and white. That's it. You have to pay for your punishments. He's black bringing it white, back. Like there said. we go. That's what you said. Waiting for it. And what's start. the most black and white part of this movie? The race war that Jimmy talks about during the cocaine binge. very true. 
There's going to be a war between the blacks and the whites. And, of course, Brendan Gleeson fucking hates that because he's not a black and white person. He thinks about the nuances and the grey areas where there is redemption, there's Mm. potential. And Mm. Ray Fiennes goes, no, this is it. It's rigidity. You have to stick to your principles and if you do the wrong thing, you die for it. And that's what brings him down, that he thinks he kills a child at the end and so blows his head off. But Brendan Gleeson believes that there's some redemption. Big spoiler. Big spoiler. (laughs) Greatest use of a dwarf in a movie ever because you might watch this movie and go, okay, does seem kind of weird that Martin McDonough's just got this thing with like little people or dwarves and he's just sort of using him for no reason. And at the end it's like, oh, my God, he dressed him as a schoolboy so Ray Fiennes thinks he killed a kid. That's the fucking... And that tragically blows his fucking head off. Very tragic for Jimmy. It ties back to when he's picking up the gun from the dealer. The dum-dums. The dum-dum bullets which Mm. explode ahead, which is mentioned. Then you go, why would he want that? There's a lot of foreshadowing in this film. Very but clever it, for It's very interesting because at the start watching it, I was like, why is Colin Farrell obsessed with, in his words, the midget, mm. which we know it's not. No, no, not but it is what he keeps, what he keep, he keeps just calling keeps it over and over word, again. Like, yeah. Wow. Um, and then like, when it's like prefers to be called dwarf, well, this is exactly my point. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you blow your head He's off? trying to be a good guy. Yeah, he keeps talking about how they keep killing themselves. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, why is he so obsessed with this guy? Yeah. And like always wants to see him or just watch him. He's, like, He's making a movie. I'm going to watch him and like tries to hang out with him yeah. and all this stuff. And then at the end, it sort of come. It everything sort of comes back full circle, and you go, "Oh, mm. that's why he's obsessed with him, and that's why this all happened." Like mm. it's very thought out from the start in the way that they are laying clues down, quite not heavily, but me watching, I was like, "All right, like get over it. It's just a, it's just a dwarf." So I was even like, something as small as the scene where he interacts with the, let's not beat around the bush. The fat American tourists. Sure, where's this going? <laughs> Don't go up there. Yeah. Right. And they get offended, but he's actually trying to help them. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the thing, no, the tower's closed because An some fat had a, had a heart attack. I'm like, <laughs> even that came full circle and that's the stuff that won me over. That was funny. That I was the funniest great. scene. Sorry, Tom, to cut you off. No, but that was right. the first scene I went, this is really funny. He was like, I wouldn't go up there. Yeah. You, you quite, are you're quite large. The rudest, the rudest man. man. And I found it. And then he cha- the fat American dude chases Colin. He's like, we're just moving around. Like, That's it. Yeah. It's and awful. I, and I remember the older I've gotten finding that more and more where I just kind of nod and go, yes, he's making fun of this guy for being fat because he's American and the whole thing of like being an Irish, very outspoken, you don't beat around the bush. So I've, found, I've always found that scene amusing, but the punchline to it is the funniest thing to me. When Brendan Gleeson gen- genuinely just wants to be like, hey, guys, no, 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 I really wouldn't. Screw you, motherfucker! And it's like <laughs> Americans, isn't it? Like that is that scene is so good because it's just like Ray's approach is just fucking like so blatant. Isn't it? And yeah. and Ken's is like I think bit, I think I need to have a word. I'm here, trying to help you, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. No, I think that's. Have you guys so ever climbed the Statue so of Liberty? By the way, say again. The Statue of Liberty. Liberty. Uh, not this Liberty. week. No. Well, similar. Lots of winding, <laughs> tiny stairs. Interesting. In America. Okay. Anyway, that when I was there. Well, that's the yeah. That's, Isn't that interesting? That, that I is. Very, have been there. Tell us more. The X Men uh, didn't have to climb the stairs; they just flew to the top and fought. Yeah, mm. and then Fact. and then Cyclops blows the head off it. Like, psh, yeah, no. Statue of Liberty That's was fucking... a gift from the French, and Can there's I... a French girl in this movie uh, called she... Chloe. Hello, she's Segway. Oh, the character's name Chloe. She's, she's Chloe. Chloe. It's Clemence. Clemence Posey. 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 How do you pronounce Who's... that? I think it's just Posey, isn't it? Sir Fleur Delacour from Fleur Delacour. She is captivating. She's captivating. She's also in Tenet. Briefly, she's like introduces him to the idea of what the whole time travel thing. She's also so, in yeah. 127 hours. I haven't Jane's seen that, but oh, I've seen she? I've seen like Fleur Delacroix and uh, Tenet, and she's every time I see her on screen, I'm like, people need to do more with her. I don't understand Agreed. why she doesn't do yeah, more yeah. things. She's very in this movie. She's great. Mm. She's My favorite thing about this film is that no one's a hero, no one's a good person. Yeah. Um, on paper, right. Mm. And even the villain of the story has his morals. Yeah. Like, and you, you by the end, you just respect the fact that he stuck to his morals. Yeah. And it, so the whole thing is very much like an anti-hero film in in that respect as well. Mm. Um, I'm not really batting for anyone necessarily, although you are in a weird way. You want to see um, Ray come through on top, but. Um, Thomas's nose whistles are getting out of control. So sorry. I'm just gonna throw it in. Yeah, just really lean have to, to apologise. This the movie side. makes me breathe. Here you go. Just go here. Here's good. Yeah. Okay. And then just come in. <sighs> but yeah, that was the thought at the end when you're in you're inside Ray Fine's head and he's looking at the dead child from what he sees. Mm. Yep. And your initial thought is, 
Well, he's got it. He said like, it. You, you know you his well view. You, you know he meant it. And he yeah. sells that where he's just like on the fucking spot, on the fucking spot. You're like, oh, that guy would do that. Yeah. Hope that never comes up. <laughs> then <laughs> he has to do it. Uh, there's a sequence in this film that, you know, it wouldn't be hyperbole to say because this is this was for a long time my favourite movie. I couldn't necessarily say it is anymore, but it is always up there. And the sequence after uh, Harry shoots Ken and then Harry's trying to race down the bell tower yeah. and Ken's crawling to the top to try and find a way to warn Ray. There's a song called On Raglan Road that plays. It's by the Dubliners. The Dubliners, yeah. It's a song Beautiful that Beautiful song. Fucks me up every time I hear I it. I knew it would. I was listening <laughs> and I was like, this really? is because in my mind I was like, this is such a sublime moment. The so, tension is building and this beautiful Irish sort of like Celtic melody is playing and it's it's slow and it's peaceful. And the you know, sorry, continue. No, I, I love that you use the word sublime. It's exactly how I feel. I the the everything about this scene is beautiful when he looks over the side and he sees it's foggy and so he starts dropping his coins which he had with him because the guy earlier the day before wouldn't take his coins so he still had them and you see from their perspective down below you just hear like twinkling coins against this Irish elegy in this foggy just just beautiful uh, Belgian night and I'm like I don't know I want to live in this movie forever I don't know because if there's an, a setting in a movie that ever makes me feel this way when when things like that well happen. it's similar to um. Russell Crowe in Les Mis. Can you fuck yourself? Do you <laughs> I'm think? sorry. I don't Would you like to? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but sorry to ruin your point. But then I thought because he goes up, I thought he was going to shoot, try and shoot Harry. Yeah, but too cat. foggy. Too foggy. Yeah. So he's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. It's pretty horrible when he falls off. It is absolutely Obviously, devastating. Spoiler alert. It makes me cry. Yeah, he, uh, he jumps off the building. And, yeah. And kills himself. And then what's the line he says when Ray runs over and he's like, you're right. And his shoulder's popped off and his leg's missing. And he's Harry's exploded. here. Take my gun. Where's your gun? Where's, Where's your gun? my gun, Ken? I think I'm going to die now, I think. And I, then just I think. slowly, I think at the end and just slowly. No one does anything the way any other person has ever done it in a Martin McDonough movie. They always say something that's just a little not like a person's ever said it. And I'm going to die Which now, makes I you think. think might be the the way the way it would happen. Yes, I think. I think. I think <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah, but I mean the the whole movie is just this. It's like a travelogue of of Bruges, and I think it's so risky to make a movie and just go. This is a beautiful place. What if I just film people in this place, and if they're funny, it'll work. And it's like, yeah, it did. It did for this. I think there's more to it. But this is a beautiful place and you enjoy just seeing the canals and stuff and it's made funnier. Did you say, Chris, you found it really funny that Ray – oh, no, you were saying that you found it funny that Ray hated being a tourist. No, he just hates him. He hates, hates Bruges, Bruges and it's, it's so much more Why? charged. Instead of just us going, oh, this place is wonderful, having, as Ken puts it, like a moody little 12-year-old there the whole time who's just like, yeah. <laughs> this is stupid, yeah. just makes it feel that much more momentous. I forgot to mention actually as I was talking about my whole fatherhood and themes and element earlier that it is very interesting to me that Harry talks about how much he loves Bruges. Last time he was there he was seven. It was the last happy holiday he ever had. So mm. it's all about childhood and it's all about what we kind of bring to I was love how he says, yes. I would love to see Bruges again before I die. Before I die. Mm. And then Ken says, I'm glad I got to see it when they're mm. up in the bell tower. Mm. Yeah. There's so much. It's an, it's a pristine script. I keep I, wanting to talk about, I'm sorry, Frank. I keep no, wanting no. to talk about my favourite scenes in the film and then I keep going, oh, no, and there's another one. Oh, and wait, there's another favourite scene. It's every scene. Many, it's many every scene that the camera's on. Yeah. Well, yeah, close to it, yeah. honestly. I would like. I think it's nicely structured in the way that it sort of opens, not dark, but it's pretty somber and and then my Belgium. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a joke, and then it flips, not flips, but it becomes a dark comedy for the middle hour. You'd yeah. say, it's like true. the cafe, uh, not the cafe, the the restaurant. Oh, the restaurant next to the Canadians. Yes, the, uh, when he <laughs> it thinks definitely jumps up a notch there, and it's such a good scene. Is that what the Vietnamese would say? Yeah. Vietnamese. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yes, it does. <laughs> Vietnamese. You, said the, you just said the American Canadian as Irish. Yeah, did yeah, I? My bad. Yeah, I'm yeah, it's all rolling into I one. never, I've always wanted to know in my heart of hearts, like, what does he mean? Like, what in Ray's head? Vietnam War. But what does he mean? It's, <laughs> like, such, a, it's like, such a vague line. If he added that, you'd still be like, and? 
<laughs> no, but, but if he raised being American, then they'd say, well, we're Canadian. And that ruins the whole That's circle. So Ironically, Jason Prentice, who plays Jimmy Dwarf in this, Canadian. Really? Yes. Is he? So he's oh, thank goodness. Me. Well, it's funny to me. Okay. <laughs> it seems like a, like a pretty It's loose, a bit of a stretch. It's, it's not, not a, a, it's not a, it's a ha-ha. I hated myself for thinking at the very first moment I saw him that it was Peter Dinklage, and I think it's because I'm so used to seeing him being used nowadays. We see Peter Dinklage a lot. We do. Jason Prentice would probably Jordan Prentice? Oh, my God. Sorry, I think you're right. I thought it was Jason, but it might be Jordan. I think it's Jordan Prentice. Um, He would probably be the second most sort of viable... Uh, short statured actor. It is. It is. Jordan, sorry, who plays is Jimmy? Jordan, Jordan Prentice. He's plays. also in uh, America by the Naked Mile, which is what I saw him in first. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Both uh, comparable. Yeah. Oh, I in mean, terms of we're quality. talking about that next week, and that's at eleven point five. Can't wait. But again, very cleverly used and and used well. Yes, he's very funny, um, and he gets an opportunity. I think rather than, I think there might be a temptation if you were going to um, have a short statured person, if you're going to have someone in a movie who is visibly different, it often the filmmaker will go like, well, we'll make them like a really noble person. They do a very patronising thing where they make them. They have and instead be. it's like two manky hookers and a <laughs> racist dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm off. You know, a very, he is weird. And he movie. might be addicted to ketamine. Like that's also mentioned. Oh, 100%. Horse all the way through. Horse <laughs> tranquilizer. There's a very unintentionally funny moment with him when he grabs the drinks off the bar and goes to walk away, but he I, nearly drops the drinks. I think it's intentional. <laughs> I, think, I think Martin <laughs> McDonough thought that looked clink. funny. And it's, it's cheap, but it's funny. <laughs> it's true. He's, he's <laughs> a little fellow and it's funny watching him do that. Oh, I think one of the boy. funniest scenes, speaking of, Blind people was when Colin Farrell's hooking up with uh, Chloe, Chloe, and Eric, uh, the boyfriend. Eric, the Eric boyfriend. Yeah, thank you. He's hooking up. What with happens? Eric. <laughs> what He's ha- hooking up with Eric. He's hooking up with the girlfriend, and then Eric comes in like, "What are you doing hooking up with my girlfriend?" He's like, "I didn't know you had a girlfriend." I, uh, Irish, and then <laughs> get into a fight because that's their setup. Is that true? <laughs> Rob Tourist and Colin Farrell like disarms him with the gun, fights him with the knife, and then shoots him with a blank in his eye. And he's like, "You're blinding me! I can't see. I've got, oh, of I've course, got you can't no, fucking see. I, I shot, shot a blank in the fucking face. eyes. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's wow. I told stuff. that story well. I thought that was so. Good. What can you guys tell me what happened in that scene? Because I, I liked. Don't it. I thought that was very funny. I mean, we reminisced on the scene very well, Frank. Thank you. I Did think well. we're all, we feel like we were there. I think <laughs> that character is the most like, uh, sort of quietly tragic character in the whole movie, just because the, every oh, yeah. everything he goes to do, and then like Rafe Rafe finds gives him that big dressing down. It's like, well, really, sounds like it was all your fault. <laughs> yeah. So cheer up. He <laughs> you know? t- took your gun. That's it. And it's like, and he's. <laughs> It's something I had to contend with a little bit today because we've talked about, and we talked about it in a very recent episode actually, but we talked about The Gentleman ages ago. And I did say that I feel like Guy Ritchie's stuff works for me, but his new stuff where he's trying to recapture that, I go, it's a little dated. I don't know if you can have characters say this, not to be like politically correct or anything. I just don't, I'm like, what are you doing with this? And then when I watch a movie like In Bruges where it's like got characters who are like, oh, you're a little gay boy and you're a little this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why is this funny to me? Why does this work and other things don't? And I think it's just if you have characters who are compelling, like Marcus said, they're kind of anti-heroes. You don't really have it. It's, it's ambiguous. And if you put a smart insult in their mouth, we can forgive or we go along with the obviously that's inappropriate and you shouldn't say that. Very funnily worded, love it, mm. 10 out of 10. You know, And I do just love his whole rant about why he thinks getting shot in the eye with a blank is all his fault. That's, that's a masterful use it's of comedy, a, really. It's brilliant and yeah. it's so many moments in that where, you know, even like when he's shown the guns by Yuri, he's like, an Uzi? I don't need a fucking Uzi. I don't want to kill 10 black 10-year-olds in a fucking drive-by <laughs> in South Los Angeles. Like, you know, and you're it's just like, lot. whoa. It's so specific that you go, and had that just a- happened? And you're just like, whoa. And it's like Awful. the the there's the secret theme throughout the movie of like Irish fucking hate Americans and they're just constantly taking <laughs> yeah. any chance they can to be like, what yeah. the fuck with this? Not even where well, Rafine's not Irish in it, but still, you know. Yeah. I do have a question about the script. Go on. Or a plot point. I'm hoping you Luckily might we have be able to do it. clear up Flip for it. me. Go. We have the scene where I forgot their names. Ray and... Ray and Ken. Ken. Ken, Ken is approaching Ray from behind. He's sitting on the park bench. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ray then puts the gun to his head mm-hmm. as Ken's about to kill him. Yes. 
There is then a subsequent phone call between Ken and Rafe Vines. Yes. And Rafe knows that there were blanks in that gun. But Ken never has the thought, He did he know that I was coming to kill him and faked committing suicide? He got live rounds. So once Eric and Chloe leave, mm. he's going through and he finds their drugs. He opens a drawer and he finds live rounds and he right, puts those in his right pockets. Those are live rounds in there. He's actually gotten the blanks out of there and he's loaded it with real bullets. But you'd be ah. right otherwise. But yes. The phone call? Yeah. I think Rafe knows that they're blanks. I think he finds out they're blanks from talking to Eric. He doesn't find out from the phone call. Ken doesn't say he had blanks in his gun, blah, blah, blah. He goes to talk to Eric at Yuri's and he goes, he shot the blank in my eye. And now the doctors say I cannot see out of this. So I suppose there could be some galaxy brain thing Harry could do there and go, hang on, were those just blanks in his gun? Should I tell Ken I think that was blanks? But even that would undercut it because he did find live ammunition. So I know what you're saying. There is like that element of like, wait, are they blanks? Are they not? But he did. He did find live ammo. And that's why when he grabs the gun at the end, up in the, he really intends to use that until he loses it in the canal because he's got real bullets in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I know what you mean. There's, there's that that whole bit is sold as like, those are blanks, right? Oh, so Tom was so ready uh, to fight for that, wasn't he? I, I've seen this movie a million times. Yeah. That phone call, thank you for bringing it up. It's a great moment where but he I, talks to... Does that like, sorry to sort of go back on that, but Chris, were you thinking he was faking being suicidal? That whole thing was an act to get out of... I just thought that from Ken's perspective... Yeah. With then learning the information that that gun potentially had blanks in it he might that Ray was faking knowing yeah. that Ken was coming to kill him. Yeah. yeah. No, I buy I buy Ray definitely a suicidal, especially in the conversation oh, yeah, they have afterwards where he's yeah. like... Well, I just think I from, from Ken's perspective then <laughs> thinking on everything... Trying to kill yourself. They, I'm to. <laughs> they could have been blanks and yes. he was faking it. There's, interest, mm. there's something there. Um, the yeah phone call to, uh, to Harry leads to one of the fucking greatest exchanges in all time when... After Harry attacks his own phone, <laughs> his wife comes in and says, Harry, it's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object. Great moment. Great moment. <laughs> did, we, did we peak the mic? I think we peaked. No, we're okay. We no, definitely we're peaked. Okay. He did all right. It. He did um, well. Um, it's but brilliant. then he comes out literally a scene later and goes, I'm sorry. For oh, look, I'm sorry I called you an inanimate fucking I was object. Upset. I was upset. <laughs> it's very good. La- laugh out loud. Oh. Like it. That fucking got me. It's, that was well, amazing. Because I, I didn't know where that was from and obviously, as I mentioned, Bo used to that, say that to me 10 years ago. Yell, well, wait, uh, seven years ago. Wait, what no, year was about it? Ten, 15 ten, years over ago. Over 10 years ago. God, mm. math. Anyway, Old. and I was like, I heard the line <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Bo, that's the line you used to say that's to me. It's, it's very funny, to, as you point out, the apology kind of makes it. You're like, what kind of man is this who would s- attack a phone, scream that at his wife, and then go, I'm sorry, that was out of line. It's like, what are we doing yeah, here? Who are this you? Is, what a strange fucking dude. Speaking of strange fucking dudes, Marcus, you got any notes? Got any, uh, got any bits? <laughs> Little bits? Little bits. Uh, you prepared any bits? Uh, I wrote the karate chop to the neck, mm. which I think is a great moment where he just decides to knock Jimmy out. It's. It doesn't look right. There's something off it's about awkward. the karate. Yeah, I think it's funny. It's in how like awkward it looks it is. like he's going. Ah! It doesn't look like he hits him at all. Like mm. it barely connects, and it drops him. Yeah, I think they're all on a lot of coke. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's an odd moment. Any physical interaction is pretty charged. It's a at that half-ass sort of like oh, I'm gonna. There's yeah. a nerve in there that I really like. Yeah, back off, shorty. I don't know. It's short Star Trek: The Original Series. Spock likes to use the Vulcan neck pinch. Uh, the neck pinch, of course. I know about that one. Nice. I am curious as to how you would have done that had I not brought this up. I'm just winging it. These no, days. that's cool. Well done. Nailed that. He well doesn't. Done. He doesn't need to write notes for his bits. Um, look, I've, I've written a, a lot here. Oh, Mark, I, did, I did write. No, no, no. Okay. Okay, because you said at the start of this episode, Frank. Yeah, well, Ray, we've talked about a, a lot, haven't we? Okay. No, okay. Uh, a quick Avada Kedavra from Ray would have uh, resolved the ending much sooner. Okay. Okay. I well, that's said a double that up. in the menu. Yeah. <laughs> but you are absolutely right. <laughs> it's true. Every time we talk about Ray Fiennes, we could just mention much more unsettling villain in this than Voldemort. And I think he's a good Voldemort, but there are shots of him in this movie where I'm like, 
Jesus, what a fucking dead eye. He's hardwired. He is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're very tight close-ups. Yes. And he just is unflinching. Speaking of close-ups, when Ray goes to offer cocaine to Jimmy and his uh, his sex worker lady that he's got with him, and he's like, ha, you two are weird. Would you like some cocaine? <laughs> and then Brendan Gleeson comes <laughs> up it? behind him with the frowny face. Who's just done a lot of, a lot of cocaine. Mm, fucking hilarious. I love it. That's Such it. good let's, physical Let's get back 30 seconds because he sees him in the bar making yeah. and he's like... Oh. What's going on? Uh, I don't like it. Pokes him in the back yeah, of the head to get his him. attention. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the, the, the subtle comedy in this film too is like guttural sounds. There's a lot of like moments that aren't dialogue. <gasps> it's just <laughs> sound effects and noises that they make at each other in response to something someone said. Mm-hmm. And it's still very funny. Yeah. Um, even when uh, Ray overhears the Canadians talking about, what does he say? He says something that triggers him. Uh, fucking unbelievable. Fucking unbelievable. And unbelievable. it's a close-up. It happens twice in the movie. There's one scene where Ray's trying to convince Ken to go out for drinks. He's like, let's go to the pub. No. And then there's a close-up of Colin Farrell and he has 15 seconds where he thinks to himself, like, yeah. what could I say here? <laughs> and then he finally comes up with it. And, yeah, you're right. In that yeah. moment in the restaurant as well, he hears fucking unbelievable and it cuts to Colin Farrell and he's thinking like, I shouldn't respond. Yeah. I want to respond. I shouldn't respond. And he goes to Fuck say it. something. Sorry. Yeah. What's fucking unbelievable? And I love that Martin McDonald lets him have those moments yeah. where he's like, I'm going to let you think on camera and it's fascinating to watch him do it. And, again, mm. that's not something a playwright would do. Playwrights cannot have characters thinking on stage. It doesn't fucking work, you know. So it's 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 great. It's beautiful. Love this movie. Uh, <laughs> $15 million budget. Yeah, made like 30 no, no, 34. Yeah. 35 almost. Um, it was a moderate sort of success. It was, it's maybe. It's enough to get Martin McDonough like it's his career rolling. It's like a cult hit, but it doesn't, it's a cult hit by now a pretty mainstream within certain circles. Like you're not going to find necessarily people who go to watch like the Marvel movies and maybe Bullet Train are not necessarily going to be people who are going to be like, oh, that Martin McDonough fella. But within like esteemed sort of like filmmaking, he's a, Pretty big name now, so I, I don't know if even cult necessarily works. Well, I think, yeah, I think he's very, very well respected. He's incredibly like, well respected, and because he, he's so sparse in his, like he he doesn't do, doesn't do a film every year. Four movies in fifteen years, we were saying the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, like fourteen years. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And obviously, he writes and directs everything. He doesn't really take on other people's work. Yeah. So when he comes out with a film, people are like, here we go, rubbing their hands together. Can't, so very it's very much quality over quantity. Quality. That's great. Do we want to have this really quick uh, chat? Where I've got the ending of the original. Well, let's just go for the audience. Yeah. What happens in the ending is Colin Farrell has been shot by Harry. He's running through the town. He's shot. He's crawling to you assume his death, and he looks up and he sees the kid. The kid. What does he say? He sees um Jimmy. He sees Jimmy, the dwarf. dressed as a school child because he's in a like don't look now homage as Chloe calls it, and so he's in like a dream. Oh, no, it, the whole thing's been a dream sequence, but he's actually a schoolboy. Yeah. And so because- You could have just said he was dressed like a schoolboy. Okay. And and so he's accidentally know. shot this dwarf. Yeah, he shoots through Colin Farrell. thinks it's a kid yeah. and turns out that kid was the last Horcrux. <laughs> <laughs> and he dies. <laughs> Credits. Wow. Ah, that was very good. So then, <laughs> very. So then, Ray Fiennes turns around and he goes, "Well, you got you got your principles. What does he say? Have you got you got, you got to stick to your principles. Yeah, whatever." And then he kills himself. Colin Farrell <laughs> says, "You know, it's a very lovely monologue that I don't have as memorized as I do the opening one, but it's basically him saying, oh, he says, there's a, well, it's not in the script.'" But he says it's not in here at all in the original script. Um, oh. But like Colin Farrell sounds like a shit gift during a POV. <laughs> <laughs> like during- you just typed them up. For yeah, you. yeah. If you, I'm giving this as a he's gift. just watching it. Be like, it's copied from Wikipedia <laughs> during a POV shot, largely um, from Colin Farrell's perspective. It's like there's a Christmas tree somewhere in London that doesn't have any uh, that has presents under it. A little boy will never get. I decided if I'd ever live, I'd call that lady. I go boy and I tell her who I am and I'd let her do whatever she wanted. And then he does this whole thing about him thinking that Bruges is hell or purgatory. And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. And then it cuts once he's in the ambulance. And I think that's one of the best endings to a movie ever. Beautiful ambiguity, really, really. Hold on, hold on. Doesn't he say, I really wish I wasn't. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. But isn't there a line before that? It's like, I, I'm not, I won't die here. And then it goes, wouldn't die no, here. No, I think he just says Doesn't it change twice, in tense? And I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I really, really hoped I wouldn't die. I think he just says that twice. Oh, 
Fuck. I, I heard it differently because I was well, like, lucky we got the script. It's Again, not that. It's not in there. It's not <laughs> in this shit script. So right. in the this original script, which I have here with me, Ray survives and he calls Chloe. So that kind of, not that it ruins it, but let's continue. There's a whole conversation he has with her. Let him finish. And he says uh, he, he knows that uh, Marie, who was the owner of the hotel, mm-hmm. had a baby and mm-hmm. found out what its name was. Um, she called it Tobias because Chloe calls Ray and tells him. And Ray goes, oh, you think that's a nice name too? Listen, Chloe, I've got to hang up now. And Chloe goes, what? He goes, I've got to hang up now. And she goes, you've got to hang up. You wouldn't let me see you all these three months. You're in the hospital. I don't know her accent. <laughs> even though I came every day, then you run back to England without even telling me. And then when I finally speak to you, you speak for two minutes, then you have to hang up. Why do you have to hang up, Raymond? Why? And he goes, it's for your own good, Chloe. It's not for my own good. How is it for my own good? <laughs> Tell me why you have to hang up. I've waited for three months, Ray. Tell me why you have to hang up. Why do I have to hang up? Yes. Why do you have to hang up? Because I don't want you to hear the gunshot. Ray hangs up, then takes the receiver off the hook and lays it down. He finishes his whiskey, sets it down. He picks up the handgun from the bedside table and puts it to his head. Cut to black. No. Fucking awful. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that ending. I really am so happy he didn't I go with that. I hate that, that would ending. Have bummed me so much. I hate that ending more than I hated your accent. Thank what? you. <laughs> uh, came off a little bit, but that's right. Um, uh, look, it's not terrible, but I much prefer the ending we had where he, it leaves it open. Yes. Some hope. You ass- but do you assume he died or do you assume he lived? I don't know and I love that. Whereas <sighs> that ending Make is too. Decision. To me, that ending is too much of a <laughs> if he put a gun to his head, I don't care if you cut the black, he's gonna fucking shoot himself. And yeah. I don't need that in this movie. I need a movie where it's possible. I don't know if it needs to happen, but it's possible. Do you like the fact that there is the receipt for how much this <laughs> cost your friend to photocopy at office works? <laughs> Our friendship is worth seven dollars and sixty cents. Again, thank you, Pasco. <laughs> Thank you, Fasco, for the first draft of a terrible script. No, no, no. I, um, did anyone I, throw in the power? I, absolutely I did. I'm at an the, 11. You're at 11. I was at a 6. Of course I'm going to go to 6.6. If not, probably like 8. Okay. That's lovely. Throw in the power. Because nice. that was like obviously hearing you talk about it, the passion, and realising during that I was like, I did have a bloody good time. It's a good mm. movie. And the script is amazing. Chris? Uh, 7.5. Yeah. He, he's up. Through in the pad. <laughs> yes. This is lovely. And Marcus, yeah. what were you already? Oh, I'm a nine. I'm going to stay there, but it yeah, is yeah, it's pretty good. phenomenal film. Wow. That was a lot of fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that's that. the first time you've monologued for an hour and I've actually gone, this is nice. Oh, that's nice. I appreciate it. That. That's what I just said. It was nice. Yeah, it's nice. Every dog has its day. Oh. Are we still doing the accent? I, I think know. so. We didn't get enough out of them. All right. Bye, boy. Boy. Bye. Through in the pal. Hey, Power Productions is the guys who produce Throw in the Pal. Do it in Irish. Do it in Irish. And my name is Frank. Oh, that's Tom. great, Frank. My name's Tom. Hi <laughs> there, I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. Oh. Go and have a whiskey down the pub. To be sure. No diddly dees at all. I've seen one full No, I've seen like the clip of Anne Hathaway But I've seen the meme of um, Hugh Jackman going Who am I? Who am I? And it's paired with Someone playing Super Smash Brothers But there's 16 players So it's just (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) Who am I? It's so fucking good We're not sponsored by anyone. We're not sponsored by not power seltzers. No. We are <laughs> in the market for a sponsor. A lot of negatives thrown <laughs> yeah. out. Greetings, pals. Hey, pals. Oh. <laughs> Someone's in a bad mood. Oh. <laughs> Hello there, pals. Afternoon all. 
Uh, welcome to Throwing the Power, the podcast where we talk about movies. Uh, and we all, the dad noises coming off us all. <laughs> the dad what? noises coming off us all. Okay, yes, that was an unfortunate I sentence. honestly think we should start again. No, I don't think so. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. The game, it's locked. That's it. We have to do this. We could just pause. We could just cut the recording. Let's talk about pausing and starting again for another three minutes before deciding to keep going. So welcome to the podcast, Throwing the Power. Throwing the Power. Go on. Where we talk about talk about movies, movies, oh, and what else? And sometimes one of us, or two of us, or three of us will love a film, and sometimes the other people will we'll hate, it. hate it. I, I'm starting again. No, this I don't is think so. I think this is, I, no, no, shut up, please. Okay, I'll stop. No. But you've got to keep going. Go. Okay, and we love the this film. Is real strong. No, no, no. I, so we rate I, them. I vote for starting again. <laughs> Through in the past. 